We've all imagined them, or maybe even seen them on TV or in a movie. Epic conquests that test your outermost limits and change what you believe is possible. Maybe it's crossing an Ironman finish line or finishing 100 miles through the Rocky Mountains. But with work and family and bills, those often seem out of reach for the average guy. Or maybe they're just reserved for the lucky ones who train for a living or have less on their plates. Well, we're just not willing to accept that. Yes, we have jobs and wives and kids, and we certainly aren't pro athletes. We're just average dudes, rejecting an average life. This is the 3OK Runners Podcast. Welcome back to the OK Runners Podcast. This is Chief. I've got Jared, and we have a special guest today, Jared Muse from Coda CrossFit here in Oklahoma City. We're down here in his Norman gym, upstairs, overlooking the gym, really cool setup. And uh, we kind of just wanted to bring him onto the podcast today and talk about why he got into running. We've been following him on Instagram, and he's been training up for Leadville, and he's been already crushing tons and tons of distance runs in the local area. And uh, we thought, man, that'd be a great guy to have on the podcast because he's got such a unique background. So I wanted to welcome you, Jared, to the podcast. Thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, thanks, Jareds. We're, <laughs> yeah, right. We're all the Jareds. <laughs> it's have, easy to remember, right? We have every, every Jared in Oklahoma City here right now. That's right, yeah. <laughs> all spelled the same way, too, <laughs> yes. right? It's, I think it's a new requirement for the podcast. <laughs> to be on, you have to be named Jared. So. <laughs> if not temporarily for the day. <laughs> The, well, yeah, I'm excited too, man, to have you. It's uh, it's cool to be here in in one of your gyms. You know, we've got there's there's ladies and gentlemen this morning that are out crushing it right now. Um, so it's a cool scene here, and I'm I'm excited to hear about kind of your journey into ultra running um, because that's something that is is always interesting to me. I think because I'm somebody who started doing ultras here within the last couple of of years and really had nothing on my radar in terms of, of distance running prior to that. So why don't why don't we start there and kind of tell us like your background and how you how you ventured into ultra running. Yep. Okay. It's kind of a I started I guess 94, 95. I was actually a golf pro, like at a country club oak tree. I was a golf pro there. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So I did that for wow. six or seven years, golf pro giving lessons and all that jazz. And then Kind of got out of that. Me and my buddy, we worked side by side for eight, for seven or eight years. And then I left. And then two weeks later, he left. So we both got out of the golf business. It's like, we were like an old married couple. There's no way we weren't going to be able to do this together. <laughs> <laughs> so then I got done with that, got into landscaping and then found CrossFit. So then 11, uh, 11 years ago, next month is when we started our first gym. Okay. So what year did you get into CrossFit? Uh, 2009, I was, got into CrossFit. Was that kind of, that was kind of the earlier yeah, stages was, of it, right? That was kind of at the beginning. And then 2011. And was that here in, in yeah, the Oklahoma City area? It was in Edmond at CrossFit OKC. That was the first one in Oklahoma City. And then me and my buddy, he was actually, he was actually, he had just got out of the Air Force Academy and he was stationed over here at Tinker. And we were working out together, and we started coaching together. And then he was about to go to Af to Afghanistan, and we had him, me and my wife and him. We had dinner, and I said, "Let's start a gym." So then, it's pretty crazy. We went. He went to Afghanistan, and he had to be there for a year. And then he sent me the seed money to start the uh, the uh, gym. What what drew you to CrossFit? Like, what was it about CrossFit you think that really piqued your interest? The golf. Since I wasn't playing golf, I didn't have that competitive. I love playing tournaments and stuff. And then CrossFit brought that competitive. Every day you walk in the gym and you're trying to beat your buddy in the workout. And then we both got into it and we both started competing in competitions. And then we decided to open up a, a, a gym. And it was right at the boom of CrossFit, so it was like a perfect timing. Did you grow up playing sports? Did you? Yeah, golf. I played my golf first golf tournament when I was eight. So my dad was a scratch golfer, so we played Oh, geez, yeah. Yeah, and then I played baseball and track and basketball, real big into basketball. But then I kind of liked the individual sport, I decided, and kind of went toward golf. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's a really good uh, thing to highlight is, like, we're all kind of the unique 
but with the same back background when it comes to athletics, mm-hmm. we all grew up to playing sports, wide variety of sports. Yeah. But as we got older, we we're looking for that outlet when it comes to that competitive drive and something to kind of put your competitive nature yeah. into. And because that's what I missed the most uh, when I joined the Navy and after after school was, and I missed that competitive, the butterflies and oh, getting yeah. going and, and just just Being generally nervous. competing, right? Yeah. And I, I always get made fun of because we'll we'll do like you know, play basketball or whatever with the sailors and stuff. And I always go way too hard to the point. You know what I mean? I'm the guy that's a little over the top just because I'm wildly competitive. And it's not because I'm trying to be better. It's just because I genuinely enjoy competition. I just Mm -hmm. genuinely enjoy just competing against somebody, trying to beat them. They're trying to beat me. And that's where I kind of landed into the ultra triathlon running world is like I was just looking for that outlet. And, and it kind of seemed like that's where you kind of landed with CrossFit. And that mm-hmm. looks like that's matured into this whole big Pandora's box now oh, yeah. for you, right? Yeah, I think it's like CrossFit. You're just trying to beat yourself the next time you go in. It's like running. You know, you can always go faster. Yeah. At CrossFit, I can always get better at something. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of that same kind of always something to work on. And then how many gyms do you have now? We have our original was, is in Oklahoma City. Then this location was our second. Then we went to Bethany at Native. Then we went to Deer Deer Creek, Tulsa, and then we have one in Denver area. So there's six of them total. Oh, nice. So you could just go to Denver and camp out at the gym and then go run, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty awesome. They're, it's called the Iron, Iron View, the Flatirons. You can see the Flatiron mountain range from the gym. You know, it's not, I don't sort of immediately make a connection between CrossFit and distance running or ultra running. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's not really, we have a few people that come to the gym that actually are runners and they use that as their strength. Oh, yeah. To get stronger and core and all that stuff. Yeah. So how have you kind of found that, that marriage to work, the, the CrossFit stuff and the distance running? How has that worked for you? How do you kind of manage that? It's kind of, well, I how I got into it was, I was doing a lot of competitions when I turned 40, when I became a master's cross crossfitter. Okay. And then I was doing just a bunch of competitions because I just turned 40. I was reasonably good. Like one summer I did a competition in Austin, Seattle, Miami. And then the one in Miami, I tore my shoulder on muscle-ups. And so that's how I kind of my career kind of changed from a CrossFit athlete to being more of an ultra runner. I started back back I started backpacking hiking a lot and decided I'm reasonably good at going a long distance slowly. <laughs> you know, right? <laughs> the key ingredient yeah. to ultra running, right? <laughs> I did the rim to rim to rim twice. I did like six or seventy miles on the con- the Continental Divide Trail backpacking. I did the Maroon Bells in Aspen. And I would just go do all these adventures mm-hmm. kind of on my own just kind of going out and then I decided I wanted to when I turned 46 I did the 24 the hard way yep I did the 12 hours so I wanted to go 46 miles on my 46th birthday and then that landed me in the hospital really because <laughs> I didn't know I just knew how to walk and I didn't know any of the extra stuff so at that have you guys done that race no we haven't we were going to do it COVID shut us down yeah so there's just an ace you know you're walking a mile there's an aid station and they had Coke in there, so I just drank Coke the whole time. Oh, God. There's Coke at the A station. I was thinking, they know what they're doing. I don't know what I'm, <laughs> what I'm doing. So I did the 46 miles. I did 47, I think. Sat down in a chair and couldn't get up. And then four guys picked me up, took me to my car, and it was the Mercy is just right there. So my wife took me straight to Mercy, and then I, I think I had five bags of fluid. Man. And then a few hours later, they sent they sent me home. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's funny though, but that's another reason why we started the podcast. Is like a lot of us just getting into this don't know those yeah. general basics, and like I'll have friends go run fifteen or twenty miles with me, and they'll kind of crash out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Hey, what are you eating?" They're like, "Well, I didn't I didn't eat anything," you know. And it's just the beautiful thing about ultra running is it's all trial by error. Oh, yeah. You have the ability to go back and try it again. You're not going to hurt yourself. I mean, sometimes Jared has ended up in the hospital a couple times now from <laughs> running. But generally, you're not going to, like, have any sort of, like, long-term yeah. ending injuries out of it. You're just like, okay, I learned. Mm-hmm. This is what I have to do. And then there is no book that you can read that says this is how you do it because yeah. everybody's body reacts differently. Yeah. 
you sweat differently, you eat differently, you you want different fluids and stuff, and so it's all like what you did. You just got a trial by yeah. error, and, and and when you figure it out, that's kind of the beauty and the science behind all yeah. the running stuff, right? Yeah, it's so much different than CrossFit, where you're feeding yourself, doing a workout at a competition, then trying to feed yourself again, do another workout. Yeah, five or six workouts in one day, type of thing. Just going as hard as you can for a few minutes, and then resting. So this was just like completely different. When you started these kind of long hikes that you were doing, just backpacking and hiking, um, what, what do you what do you think you got out of it? Like what you know, what made you like it? How did how did you feel when you were doing them? What made you keep doing it? I don't know. I never was really an outdoorsy guy, even though I grew up in the Washita Mountains. But I think being out in nature is what did it for me. I think if I because if I would just ran on the roads every day. It wouldn't. I wouldn't have stuck with it. If I was just training for a marathon or something, I don't think I would have stuck with it. But being outside in nature, I like always like just going hiking for a while, finding a spot to spend the night, and put my tent up. This 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 looks cool, and then get up the next morning and do do it again. Yeah. This kind of was was fun to me. Yeah. It, it, just the general adventure of being like when you're a kid and you're just like going yeah. out in the woods and exploring yeah. basically the adult version of exploring now right yeah. and then I just started going trying to go faster and faster and longer and longer and then got my pack ladder and ladder and then started ultra ladding pretty much with just a tarp just fast just fast packing and then that turned into doing doing some races and then so how did you land on Leadville um I did a race in Silverton called the Dirty 30 100K, and part of it was on the hard rock course, and then I didn't go fast, but I was able to finish it, even though it took me a long time. On all that, I mean, we went over 12 or 13 a few times on yeah. that race. And the hard rock, you know, it, if you guys know, it's impossible to get into the hard, the, the hard rock, and so then the Leadville looked like it was a little bit more manageable. And then did you just sign up and get in, or did you get a, a, a token? Or? We did the, it's kind of a fun story, we did the 50K, three of us from the gym signed up for the 50-miler, I mean, last year. And the one girl's been trying to get into Leadville for a while. And then we all we all did it, we all finished, and then they're at the end they're calling their coins out. And the very first coin they called was her. So we were so excited because she got her coin finally after five years of trying. And then a few minutes later, the guy got his coin that we went with. And then I'm sitting there. I was so happy. They were up there getting lime. I was happy but sad. And the very last name, my wife goes, this is going to be you. And it was me. So that was the 30th person that they picked or something. No. Yeah. So we just all went crazy because <laughs> we all three went down there to try to qualify and try to get our coin. And then we all got our coin. Wow. Yeah. The chances of that happening. Yeah. And when Jared had signed us up for Leadville, I thought there's there's no way because it's just so tight lottery-wise. Yeah. Well, he had found a loophole where if you sign up in a group of four or more, you have preferred entry. Ah. And did it wasn't a have... loophole. It's part, <laughs> it's part of the lottery process. Did you, did you guys have four people go the first year? Yeah. So if, if you sign up as a group, if anyone in the group gets chosen, the group gets in. Oh, wow. Um, and so it, it's a it's a legitimate way to get in the race. It's uh, no, it's legit. <laughs> but nobody reads the fine print yeah, and yeah. knows that that's an actual option. An know? attorney does, I guess. Yeah, yeah the attorney. Well, <laughs> and, 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 you know, it's hard to find somebody who's got three other friends who are willing to sign up for it. Yeah, um, for sure. And so it's not, you know, it's not easy to put together a team to sign up for the level 100, but... Uh, that's how we got in the first year. We, we did. still didn't think we were going to get in. I mean, the, I think yeah. the odds are still pretty low. And uh, I didn't even watch the, you know, they, they sort of announced the lottery. Um, and I was live, whatever. Yeah, I didn't even watch it Yeah, it was on, I want to say it was on the Facebook page or something at the time. And I, I wasn't even watching because um, I thought we're not going to get in. There's no way. And then I can't remember who texted me, but somebody texted me. was like, dude, we got in. I was like, no way. I'm like, no. Yeah. My heart sank. I was just in my backyard like, oh, my gosh. there's. I, I don't think I could do this. You got a lot of work to do. I have a, we have a lot of work to do. We had, at that time, I had never done – I had done marathons, um, and we had been involved in triathlon for a few years. And so we had done some Ironman marathons, but – I had never run over a marathon distance and didn't really like care to. I'm not, mm -hmm. I'm not really a runner um, at all. 
and I don't necessarily enjoy running all that much. Um, <laughs> but I was intrigued at kind of the challenge yeah. of Leadville, and and I've t- you know a lot of people have said like you know why don't you why don't you do a different one? I'm like it doesn't. I'm not excited about doing just any hundred mile race. I just want to do Leadville. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know what it is about that particular race and that challenge, but that's what excites me. Not the idea of running a hundred miles. Yeah. I did the pumpkin holler hundred a few years ago. And like, you know, it's just like, you don't, I prayed for it and finished it, but it's just like, it doesn't have that drive of going somewhere crazy. I can go to Tal- yeah. Tahlequah any- anytime and run right. on the roads. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that, I think I'm the one that had mentioned over us training, and we spent hours and hours and hours together. And I think I had mentioned how Leadville was this race that I just thought was so iconic. Mm-hmm. It was just like, it captured what mountain running was or what yeah. challenge was for just, because anybody can sign up for Leadville. You don't have to have a pre-qualifier to get in. Yeah. And when you go on YouTube and you watch those videos of like Billy Yang and all those uh-huh. really cool, well-done videos, it, you're you're truly on an adventure, you know? And it's mm-hmm. it's truly life in a day. And it's a day that you'll never forget. And, uh-huh. then, and then getting to spend that day with your friends in the mountains of Colorado, it just has this whole total package that makes it this iconic thing that it is capturing. It is something that's like, like, I have a ton of respect for Jared because it, it it is right. I'd be doing the same thing. It's just something that you want to finish. It's yeah. something that you want to do. You want to complete that. And you want to you want to see on the other side and have this success. But the problem is, is this ever-growing monster of yeah. what's next. Like, I signed up for Western States. Totally not expecting to get in. <laughs> kind of hoping I don't. But, yeah, again, like, you take advantage of these cool opportunities oh, yeah. that you can go and do those kinds of fun stuff. And, and But like you're right. You know, Tahlequah, you can go out there and run any day. And I remember we were in Leadville this last year, and I went out for a run before we were getting ready to leave. And there's this there's this guy on the side of the road, and I happened to, I just stopped and said hi to him because I'm from Oklahoma, and that's what we do, right? Uh-huh. And like, he was out uh, running, and he's like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I did Leadville, but I didn't finish. But I'm going to go run the Pumpkin Hauler 100 because mm-hmm. they, have, they have a better cutoff time yeah. in like a month. It's a long cutoff time because I was over 30 hours. And I, I thought, <laughs> hey, man, I, you know, good on you, but it's a lot harder in Oklahoma to run than you realize. <laughs> Heat and humidity are a general problem yeah. in that area. And you live at Leadville, and so you're not used to any humidity. You're not used to any of that just super high heat and so yeah. um i i didn't i didn't want to offer advice you know unsolicited advice but you know hey good luck to you but i was like man it's going to be harder than you realize i don't even know how they could train for heat like we're trying to train for the mountains i think you we have I mean? it easier training for the mountains than they yeah. do training for the heat i think it's a good point yeah mm-hmm. and so ne- that leads into a great question what are you doing because you've been up to leadville you ran the silver rush mm-hmm. and have you done the marathon no, no. So the Silver Rush fifty miler is your entry into Leadville, right? Like yep. kind of that, mm-hmm. what it looks like. So now that you've been up there, elevation running, what are you doing back here uh, to help prepare you for that? You see, there's that, there's a sled down there with that ball on top of it. Oh yeah. So that's, I'll take that out on the roads and just push it for like forty five minutes to an hour. That's awesome. So I think that's kind of because you're in this position and it's all calves. Yep, and you're kind of bent over, and that's kind of, that's kind of what I did last year. Three or four days a week, I just push sleds in the gym or push sleds out on the roads. So you just took it down the sidewalk right down here, and uh, that was at our other gym. And I was oh. just there's a our gym has a little bit of a hill right next to it, so I would just push it up and down that hill, and in the heat of the day until I was needed to go back inside. So you're you're definitely going to run during the hottest parts of the yeah. day, and that's usually, I usually go out about one o'clock in the middle of the summer. Yeah, and do a do all my miles on Saturday and Sunday in the afternoon. So why, why do you think you do that? Just because I always heard some kind of science with the red and white blah, blah, blah cells. Yep, yep. Something about the heat <laughs> translates to the altitude. altitude. I like to call it bro science. We, yeah, you know? we, yeah, we subscribe to the same philosophy. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you don't have any other choice if you're from Oklahoma. Yeah. If, if that can't train you for the altitude and you don't want to buy a, you know, altitude chamber. Yeah. <laughs> right. uh, so I'll go down to the Wichita's and I'll do that, you know, Mount Scott. Yeah. Okay. I, was, I think last year I did that three straight times or something like that once, just up and down. What, the what's the climb on that? It's we've actually half, run it. It's two and a half miles up. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. And then I think it's, I want to say it's maybe fifteen hundred feet to maybe elevation gain, something like that. There's, I guess, there's one guy I heard that will drag a tire up it. Really? Yeah. This is one of those, you know, mythical creatures. I know, right? That, you know, yeah. <laughs> around the ultra scene. Uh-huh. And that's what I'll do. And I see that Camille will go down there. She'll, yeah. she'll go down there a lot and do that. Yeah. So good enough for her. It must be good enough for me. That's, and right. that's a great <laughs> yeah. point. She moved from Colorado to Arizona yeah. and is training there. So and there's got to be some science behind yeah, it, right? And she moved back here. Oh, did she end up moving here? Yeah. I didn't know that. She moved back last summer, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Nice. Yeah. I, I, I did the same thing. I was just Googling, like, how do you prepare for a, for elevation without being in elevation? And all I could really find was heat and humidity was your, your second closest thing to that. And, I, you know, just running at the hottest part of the day. I had no idea if that was going to work. Yeah. Uh, but that's all we have. That's mm-hmm. all we can do. And um, I know I liked using a weight vest, and I used the treadmill and at incline and stuff. Yeah. I didn't have that really cool sled. And, but I think that sled's a great idea because you're – you're hunched over and you're kind of compressing your lungs yeah. a little bit as if you were climbing up a mountain. Um, I think that's a great kind of second nature to what it would be. And I always wear my vest, my regular Solomon vest. Okay. I mean, anything over four miles, I'll put the vest on just so I'll be used to it. I mean, kind of like you guys know, the whole pass, you know, we don't have any place to go for two straight hours up a hill. Right. That's the one thing that I noticed when I did the races up there is that those real mountain climbs. Yeah. That is the, I, I think you nailed kind of the biggest difference is long sustained yeah. climbs don't exist here. Yeah. Um, even, even if you can find a, a decent hill. Yeah. Um, that hill is over, if, you know, in three minutes of effort, you're at the top of it. And, uh, yeah. There's you, one spot on the Washita's on the Tal- Talamina Drive, Dead Man's Gap is what it's called. And there's a 22-mile loop out there that I'll do. I'll go and run. And there's one spot that's like a half half a mile. You know, it takes me 30 minutes or whatever. But then how, what's Hope Pass? Three miles or something? Four. Four, yeah. yeah. So three hours, four hours, five hours, whatever it is the, at that time of your life to yeah. go up and down. After running 40 miles? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what's hard and, to practice. And it's hard to fathom because there's no switchbacks. It's oh, just, it's, yeah, there's like a small portion of switchbacks, but everything is literally a single trail straight up <laughs> and for four miles. Yeah. And it's like you, it's hard to like kind of fathom like that's a real after thing. After 40 miles. After 40 miles. And then you do it again after 55 miles, right? I think is when yeah. kids come back over the pass. Yeah. And that one's even steeper and shorter. Um, and they had some switchbacks on that backside, but, uh, yeah, we're we're at a, dis, a great disadvantage yeah. when it comes to sustained hiking like that, and that's why like I just got on the treadmill for hours because like I just God. you know at fifteen percent, two point eight with a twenty pound vest, I would just do it for hours on a Sunday. Oh my gosh! Um, and now you because you know those long back to back runs is what you want to do, and I was afraid of overtraining, and so we would go do our 20, 30, 50 mile run, whatever it was on Saturday. Then Sunday I would get on the treadmill. For if the if the workout said twenty miles, I'd say okay, I could run twenty miles in what four hours. So I would just get on the treadmill for four hours oh instead, gosh. and just hike because it was low impact. So uh-huh. I said okay, I'm not gonna be beating my body up too and you much. You put your vest on, and I put that twenty pound weight vest on. And I tell you, the hiking was worse than the running. I would rather just go run yeah. than I would do those stupid hikes and on that treadmill because your neck starts to hurt and your back starts to hurt, but. I felt like it really helped when you get out there on that 60, 70, 80 mile range on Leadville. And, you know, you've, you're, you're, my back didn't seem as fatigued as what you think it would be at that point in time. And so I have no idea. I don't, I'm not going to write a book about it, but that's uh-huh. just what I did. And I, and I felt like it worked. I, I had no idea at the end of the day. But um, so I, I think you're having some great science and great thoughts behind like that pushing <laughs> stuff and the heat stuff. And so. Uh-huh. I mean, that's about as best as we really can do. And where where do you think that, like, CrossFit, where would you, like, if, if somebody didn't have that and they did have a CrossFit gym near them, like, what do you think that you could do and blend those lines CrossFit-wise in a, in a box like this and use that for an ultra running, maybe maybe not necessarily 100 miles, but it could be a 50K, it could be a 50-mile uh-huh. or 100K. What could they do, you think, on a, on a cross-training aspect? I think that just doing this type of stuff, because I just do like the regular class workouts, 
Like, I'll, I'll do this, what they're doing today, and then I'll do some extra stuff. Like, I don't have very strong legs, so I'll do a lot of single leg stuff, sleds, just that kind of stuff. But then I think just all the core stuff we do, because I always hear about people, their core giving out in these long races, their back starts to hurt. And, like, that's never, I've never had that type of issue. I think maybe just 10 years of doing this, even though I don't have abs per se, <laughs> I think that's helped me. <laughs> to actually stay in it, and so you're thinking like more of the stability, like that, because CrossFit has like that a lot of that stability muscle yeah, work, right? Are you exactly. thinking it's more stability, or is it more like hit hit training, high intensity, up and down, up and down on heart rates? I don't know. I mean, since I started running, there's we have these assault bikes here over there in the corner, those air bikes, and I've never thrown up maybe once or twice, and then since I've started ultra running and we do these assault bike sprints, I've thrown up a few times. So I think my whole fitness have changed from this high intensity to more of that longer, slow stuff. And now it's just starting to bite me when I do come back and do some of that really, really hard, high intensity stuff. Even though it's like a 30 second bike sprint, doesn't sound like much, but sometimes it leads to the throw up alley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I think like what's, what's interesting to me, so I think particularly people who are doing mountain ultras or any kind of mountain running, um, I think there's a significant strength component that you will discover you're missing if you don't have it. Um, and so I think some kind of, of strength cross-training is absolutely essential. Um, I mean, climbing up and down, down, I mean, even mountains, oh, yeah. is, is rough on, on muscles um, in, in a way that just long-distance running is not. Um, there's a pounding that, that happens that I think the strength work is absolutely critical for. But the other thing that, that I've found that I think is helpful, sometimes with like distance running, you sort of fall into this low intensity, mm-hmm. long, sustained, it'll make you slow. You almost never get that really high intense workout um, Unless you unless you're doing something like CrossFit mm-hmm. or some kind of gym workout, um, and I think there's a there's fitness to be gained from from doing that that absolutely translates and helps you um, running wise. Uh, absolutely, I think you need to at least. So Andrew Huberman's podcast that we, we were just listening to, they had a doctor on there, a kinesiology doctor, and he he explained that. No matter what you're doing, you need to max out your heart rate once a week. You need to do something once a week where you're – it doesn't have to be sustained, right? It could be 30 seconds on a salt bike. But where you're reaching that, that other side of the spectrum of, of heart oh, yeah. rates and getting your body pushed out there because I think it is. I think it is super important because you can fall, fall into this this rut of running and you're like, well, I'm just going to go run at 120 beats per minute yeah. for hours and hours and hours, which is great. But the same token is like, well – what are you losing on the other end too? And so getting out there and pushing your heart rate when you go over hope or when you go over these big climbs, yeah. you're used to what that feels like to be at 170, 180, yeah. and then bringing it back down and trying to relax and keep running. And and like you said, strength, I think, is one of the most important things that's overlooked when it comes to mountain running because it's all about body endurance. It's all, it's all about how much can your structural, your skeletal load be where your body's able to withstand 205,000 steps <laughs> and 16,000 feet of climb over this rocky terrain and holding weight because you've got your water and your fluids on you. And like, it's at that point past 50, it's going to hurt no matter what. It's like, can your body hold up to the rest of the back half of that race? And that's where that strength and core work and muscle and sleds and that's elevated heart rate stuff is what's going to, you know, I would think would push you through to the other side of that race. I wonder, like, when the first one I did, I usually crossfitted at 185 pounds. And then that first 100-miler, I felt like I needed to lose weight. And, and I got down to, like, I think the day of the race I was 170, 171, something like, like that. And I don't even know if that was beneficial. I don't know if – because I see all these little ultra runners are yeah. all – you know, the real ultra, I call them the real ultra runners, the ones that actually run. <laughs> <laughs> like, the ones that are scaling up the side of the Yeah, exactly. It's hiking. like they're all, feel like they're 150 pounds. So I yeah. thought, do I need to get this? But I don't really think I needed to lose 15 pounds. You know, the one thing I've noticed every, every time every time we go to Leadville or go do a mountain race, um, the, the runners that you see are 
they're strong. You can, you can tell they're, yeah, they're strong. They, yeah. they have strong legs. Yeah. They have strong bodies. Um, it's so much different than seeing, um, seeing people at marathons, like yeah. road marathons, where you see people that I would describe as skinny, which if, mm-hmm. if anybody sees me, uh, a lot of people are skinny in my book. <laughs> um, and so in mountain ultras, man, they're strong. Yeah, um, I and I, right. and I think it's yeah. because you, you do have to hold up over the pounding. Um, and, and you need that strength in your butt and your legs to make those big climbs. Mm-hmm. Um, and no matter what, I mean, if you think you're going to go over Hope Pass and keep your heart rate at 120, you're like, you you cannot make cutoffs and do that. No, yeah. it's it, it, I don't care who you are. My, my coach, I have an online coach I've used for I think over two years now, and he Wednesdays and Saturdays or Wednesdays and Sundays we do a, 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 intervals, yeah, hill sprints are like a lot of fart like stuff. Mm-hmm. We do a lot of that, and then I have this plus I have that, so I feel like it's enough. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, it's, <laughs> absolutely, it's enough. But uh, you know, and it sounds like you're your training is really kind of well-rounded and um i think the diet's the hard part yeah <laughs> well that's everybody's giant obstacle right <laughs> the speaking of the heart rate i did the the 5k the, i forgot the run it was it was downtown the red the red coyote 5k and i decided i was it's kind of flat so i decided i was going to run hard for me and then i a mile to go i looked at my heart rate and i was on 193 and I was thinking, maybe is this the time to have a heart attack in this five k right here? <laughs> Go have a coke at the aid station, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> try to get that heart rate to come down. Yeah, <laughs> settle that heart rate. It's just kind of like like you're saying, but you go up Hope Pass. I'm going to look down. It's going to be off the charts. It is, and, <laughs> but it's super important because you weren't freaking out at that point, right? And yeah. You're comfortable being uncomfortable, yeah. and you got to be able to be uh, be in that zone and be aware and be okay with that. Knowing that, like this will this will pass. Yeah, this shall pass. I'll calm down. I'll relax. Because if you get too hyper focused, like when we started that race last year, my watch—I don't know if it was just out of being nervous or it was cold—but my heart rate on my Garmin was through the roof to the point that I thought something's wrong with my watch. Like it, it can't mm-hmm. possibly be this high. And we're at mile one. And I'm like, dude, I'm gonna this. The wheels are coming off of this this train <laughs> in about 20 miles, you know. And uh, you just have to grind through it, and knowing that, hey, relax, take yeah. it easy. And so, it, you, what you're doing, I think, is absolutely like on point. I think you you couldn't do any better when it comes to training wise. I mean, we're all amateurs, take it for what it's worth, you know. But uh, getting your heart rate up, doing all the CrossFit stuff, doing all that cross training stuff is. Is awesome, and I. That's why I wanted you on here. I wanted to capture what you're doing, mm-hmm. so that way we can see you down the road and be like, "Hey, how, how did it work? Did it work? What didn't work? Mm-hmm. What would you do better? What would you change? What wouldn't you change?" And so, when it, when it comes to people that live in flatter yeah. trains, uh, they do have options, man. You do have the ability to go out and do these kind of cool races and do all these different uh, things and and whatever. And I'm I'm looking around your room in here, and you got like Norma Tech. Uh, recovery boots. You have uh-huh. the sauna and the and the cold tub down here. The cold plunge. It's like a recovery dream. Yeah. You got like these recliners and a TV. Like I wouldn't go home. I would just go <laughs> run and come here <laughs> and recover. You know. So you have everything at your disposal. You know. I think the reason. I mean, I have no excuses since I found out I was going to be in it. You know, thirteen months before the actual race. I think that's really helpful. Instead of having to wait. You know, till next oh, year yeah. to actually find out if yeah. you're in it or not it is a big advantage yeah. right yeah absolutely actually we're we're what two days away from the lottery opening up i think december one doesn't the lottery yeah, open up it's kind of nice not having to worry about thinking about that and just go with train instead of worrying about if i'll get in or not my biggest fear is we're going to go run this leadville marathon and i'm going to get a coin <laughs> do you do you get it for that year if you get a coin at the marathon do you you can defer it you can defer he yeah. deferred it oh okay all right yeah. that's right i would yeah. i would probably defer it no you just do it i didn't no, want to do it a month later no is it a month later the, no the no the silver 50 rush is, yeah. yeah it's a month uh, i wouldn't because i want to pace you like i want to be your pacer you can pace me the whole race if you just enter oh, yeah, it. that's true it. that's a good idea <laughs> that's a good point right? there you go that's even better than i was looking for excuses jared not to do it this year <laughs> i'm not going to get one anyway so it's not a big deal right we don't have to worry about it but i thought it was cool that leadville does that like if, if you don't really understand what we're saying is 
if you go and run the other races that Leadville, I don't know if it's necessarily they sponsor, they hold on. Yeah, they have they have them. I think they're the Lifetime Fitness runs them all now. And at the end of those races, they essentially raffle mm-hmm. off golden tokens for the people who finish. Yeah, I should have had you bring yours. I've you never seen finish. one. Yeah, you have to actually finish. Oh yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah. Finishers. Yeah. They raffle you off, and then you call your name up there. And you said that you were the last person drawn this year, right? Last one, the very last one. That the the fifty is really cool because it goes up this really steep slope. It's about like the Lake Arcadia Dam, and it's just. And they have a deal before they start. They say the first one to the top gets a coin, but you have to finish it. Oh, at the start of the race? Yeah, so it's in one minute. So this guy with one minute ran up to the top, and he got his coin. They actually handed him his coin. But he had to finish it, the race, to get to actually get into the race. And the guy that I was with, he, he tried, and he, and he came in second. Oh. And but the guy got it and finished the race. So That's that was a really neat little deal. You know, I wouldn't think about that. I got uh-huh. the back and I was just going to go slow and try to finish the race. That's the worst if you got second. Yeah, because you just ran as hard as you yeah. can. And he said his hamstrings did not calm down for like the first twenty miles. Oh, uh-huh. I believe it. Just from that one. I mean, he sprinted up this slope just like this. So you did the silver rush with two other people, uh-huh. and then we all got we all got the coins. So you, how rare is that? Yeah. Though, the fact that you all three got and in. He went ahead and did it the month later and finished it in like twenty eight something. Okay. And then me and the girl Sarah, we deferred it, and now we're doing it this year. And she just actually, she's more of a fast runner. She just got her Boston qualifying time at a race in Kansas. Oh, so she's like a runner, runner. Yeah. So yeah. she's doing a. I don't know if she's doing the Boston this year. I don't even know when. The, I've never got into the fast marathon stuff, so I'm not sure when she's doing it. But now we're training for the – even though I always run by myself, I never run with anybody, and I kind of like being out there by is, myself. Is that on purpose, going back to, like, the beginning of the podcast where you, like, individual – I think so. Is that on – yeah. You <laughs> yeah just, I mean, people ask me, to, you know, to go out and run, but, like, last week I started at 7 o'clock or 8 o'clock at night with my headlamps and went out and ran 17 miles. Nobody's going to go run at Lake Arcadia with me. At, you know, and I've always been a night person. So I think that's why I do ultras too, because I can stay up at night. It's never been a And as a business issue. owner, I'm sure you just don't have the ability to be flexible with your time, right? Yeah, it's kinda hard to I'll leave the gym and run my four miles loop I have out mm-hmm. there, but it's hard to in the middle of the day to go do this and I don't like to get up early. You guys are special. I got up this early to drive down here. <laughs> we appreciate that very much. Yeah. I think I'm the only runner that doesn't get up in the morning and try to knock out all their miles. Yeah. I feel guilty when I don't get up early. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, I'm going to run in the afternoon. You like, you can't tell anybody that. That's yeah, a runner. I know. You're like, and we, me and my wife, we don't have any kids. So we, the gym is kind of our kids. You know, we have a thousand kids, it feels like, between all the gyms. So. I follow your social media on Instagram. It's hilarious. Like all those things you post, oh, like yeah. everybody around in your gym and stuff. You guys seem to make fun of each other a lot. We're like, a lot of making fun of each other. It's yeah. hilarious. It's kind of not um, normal when you think about a CrossFit gym, I guess you can say. We don't have a lot of like my colors. I came up with purple, and then we've always kind of done a lot of clothing and kind of got our name out there with our brand. I love your logo too. You, you you see it all over Oklahoma all the time in the back of people's cars. You got oh, the yeah, sticker yeah. and stuff. Yeah, I love got, that logo. We've got when we got into it, we got pretty lucky when we got in and it kind of blew up. Yeah, good timing, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, like everything, it seems like. But we've been able to keep on maintaining with all the different kind of fitnesses going on, with the Orange Theories and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, and it seems it seems similar to like ultra running in the mountains, like at the end of the day, the ruggedness of CrossFit, like all you have is just the box, pull up bars and bars and weights and like the simplicity, but yet the toughness of it will, will ever last through some of those other things where it's more specialized or, or niche and where ultra running like in the mountains is what drives people to it because it's simple, but yet very, very difficult at the end of the day. This is one of the few CrossFit locations around that actually has air conditioning. So, oh, really? Yeah, this one in the summertime when it gets 100-something, we turn the air conditioner on. At our other gyms, we just open up the doors and the fans and try to fight your way through it. So Norman, the Norman one's the only one with air conditioning? Uh-huh. He's prima donnas in Norman. Yeah, right now, know. man. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about bougie to yeah. another level, right? Yeah, That's I think what... also with the heat training, just being inside my gym, when it's, you know, it's 100 degrees in there some yeah. days, just yeah. hanging out and coaching classes. I'm getting a lot of heat training without even really trying. 
That'd be a funny T-shirt. Like I only CrossFit in air conditioning. Like <laughs> Norman Coda. <laughs> Great advertisement. It is nice coming down here though and doing stuff. We have those air runners over there. I think somewhere. So we do a lot of yeah over there in the corner. So all the gyms have an air runner, which is a treadmill. It's not motorized. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I've been wanting to try one of those. Yeah. yeah never... So that's kind of a, so I do all my running on that when it, when it gets really cold. Can you go distance on? I mean, it's so boring. Really. But I mean, I just put my just like any treadmill, you know. But it's yeah. like you can't. You have to actually be moving it the whole time. So that's what's unique about those, right? Like you. Pre- yeah. Power the treadmill. Yeah, once you stop, it stops. So I didn't know if, like, can you actually go really, really far on those? I mean, I've done 10 miles on it, and it was terrible. Okay. Because they say it's t- pretty terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, we have at my house, we have a little clubhouse with a little gym, and that's when I'll go do the treadmill at the 15, because I can't make that. Those won't incline? Mm-hmm. Those okay. won't incline. I tried one day, and I was, it just was really easy, because it was just, it was going uphill, then it made it really easy. Because oh, it was yeah. just, I guess that's science I didn't think about. <laughs> oh, they're talking about this hill stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> seems easier so I put than it up flat on, running. I put it up on weights and stacked it up and did all this work for nothing because it was easier than what it would have actually been. Yeah. <laughs> and so are you going to use the sauna and the cold plunge for your training? I, I don't come down here as much since I do live in Edmond. Is this the only one that has? We have a cold plunge. It's the only one that has both. Okay. But my gym, we had a cold plunge. I'm the biggest weenie. I'll put my feet in there and get my calves, but I'll never actually slide all the way in. I would like, because you see Joe Rogan doing that and he cranks up the sauna. Like, I, I think I've if been... I had the sauna, I'd go, like, today I'm going to try it. I'm going to go back and forth a few times and see what it actually, if it I... makes me feel better, because I am pretty sore. Yeah. So we'll see if that helps. Let us know. I'm super curious on like the, the heat shock proteins yeah. and the whole bro science behind it. Doctor as, Doctor Joe Rogan, as I yeah. call him. You're right. As you would say, the blah 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 <laughs> yeah. stuff, right? Yeah. Like I'm, I'm curious on like what what does that look like on recovery wise yeah. or I don't know. I just think it's neat to like, but it's hard to find. Like you have a jut, awesome setup down there with the with the cold plunge and sauna, literally right next yeah. to each other. So you have no excuses, no, right? No excuses, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And I have the Normatec boots, and I, but I still don't spend enough time in them. I think I just get a little lazy with the. I think that the professional runners, that's probably what they do a good job of recovering. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, you know it is when you're when you're training that hard and that often. Um, you know, if you kind of let yourself feel bad while you do it, I feel like the, the quality of your training yeah. goes down so much and, and then you start skipping stuff. I mean, I know if it, it's so easy to kind of turn a bad couple days into like a bad couple weeks and the next thing you know, you're like, oh, I got to get back going. I got to mm-hmm. get back going. And, um, and I agree. I think if, uh, if you paid as much attention to, to recovering as you did kind of your big workouts, oh, yeah. um, you'd probably get a lot better consistency and quality in. 100%. I'm the worst recoverer. And it doesn't make any sense because that's like the easiest part of your training, right? <laughs> you put these boots on and you sit there, yeah, right? Like, yeah. Or you go into the sauna or you go and stretch or you go mm-hmm. roll out. Like it all feels good. Mm-hmm. I'm obviously drinking beer. Right, that's <laughs> what I was say. My recovery usually looks something like uh, cheeseburgers and beers. Like, oh, yeah, I got my work in today, boys. <laughs> I earned these beers. Yeah, no I'm the worst at going to run and then go and get six chocolate donuts and a half a gallon of chocolate milk. Right, because and you earned it. Down right? them all right there in, in a minute and a half. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the worst at it, too. I always just try to stay moving through the day because I – after some of those big runs that we would do, like, I just get so stinking stiff, you know, yeah. and, like, throughout the day. And I guess that would be, like, the best way I ever recovered. And I wish I would do better. I think you're right. I think that's what separates those two. But when you get home, we we talk about a little bit of that dad guilt of, hey, I've been gone for yeah. five hours. And you get home and the wife is not entertaining you sitting on the couch with Normatec boots and saying, hey, Give me about an hour. I need to get my recovery done. You know, I think that's the difference. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of difference. Where they—that's their job. So uh-huh. they specialize. They can spend the eight hours a day doing that kind of stuff. Where we don't. But you know, there's no reason why we couldn't find time either. I have no excuse. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't. I don't know. I mean, do I'm you? in. I'm in here. You know, I could do. I could niche out twenty minutes to go out and roll out or go out and stretch. I just have a hard time doing that sometimes. I love, I have that, um, the chirp wheel, 
Mm-hmm. Have you seen those where it's a little bit more narrow and it goes up and down the spine between oh, your yeah, shoulder yeah. blades? Because uh-huh. I have the foam rollers, which I love the foam roller, but I found that chirp wheel to be awesome just sitting there and, and, and oh, getting yeah. up and down between those two shoulder blades on your back. It, if it feels good, I will do it more often. It's the after run doesn't feel good mm-hmm. necessarily right away. And I think that might be, is that maybe one of those obstacles that you see? Because I'm sure with CrossFit, you guys preach like recovery, oh, yeah. recovery, recovery, body maintenance. And with like uh, Kelly Starrett and doing oh, yeah. a lot of those Kelly's. mobility wad stuff, right? I went, like, to, I went to his, that's, what, that's probably the best <clears throat> seminar I've ever been to was the Kelly Starrett seminar. I did that a few years ago. He is, he's so intelligent when yeah. it comes to that stuff, right? Yeah, he was awesome. Blown away. Yeah, I just don't, I don't know. I need to be better. And, you know, diet, if I wasn't eating so much inflammatory food, you know, and that might help too. But, like, I'm about to go down and eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich when we're done here. Why? Because it's delicious. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm 49 now, so it's not like I'm about to change. No, there's no reason to change now, I right? I eat more than two peanut butter and jelly sandwiches a day. That's, that is my limit. Is that your, is that your, uh, is that your... <laughs> Achilles heel, yeah. peanut butter and jelly yeah, sandwiches. sugar, just sugar. I think that's, I mean, I have, instead of goos now, I've found these syrups. So it's just called, it's just a syrup, but it's like a goo package, but uh-huh. it's made for runners. And so, but it, you know, you know when you're up at altitude, it's hard to eat. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, the goos taste terrible, but this is, this is just strictly maple syrup with some caffeine in it or some salt in it. And I just, it goes down just like that. I don't feel bad. That's kind of the main thing that people don't practice, I think, too, is their food. During the races. Yes. And practice practice with that not working. Yeah. Right? And the, the first year we went out there and we had the wives made this this giant buffet of food and we ate none of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you don't, you can't it. chew anything when you get up there. No. And you don't know what you're going to want yeah. either. And so you've got to be able to practice this variety of sometimes you're living off the aid stations. Because yeah. at the end of the day, I, we've, we've kind of honed that craft too of simplicity. Like sim- as, as simple as you can get, the better. Like me, ramen, ramen noodles on that mm-hmm. on the Arkansas Traveler. It was just ramen broth, ramen noodles, and I can't remember anything else. I really ate the whole time and Tailwind or or Roctane Goo, the caloric drinks. It's crazy that like the Leadville the aid stations I saw and what I've read, they're not that awesome. The actual, but you go down here to the Outlaw events and their aid stations are like. Everything you want, bacon, yeah. tor- tor- yeah. tortillas. They had like, at the at the fifty, there was like nothing like that there. It yeah, was you know, so packaged stuff. I'm I'm trying to think. There's not a lot of aid stations at Leadville. I mean, you can get bacon at every aid station at these outlaw events. See, I don't I, <laughs> spam. We were frying yeah, spam. spam. I feel yeah. like because everyone has a crew in Leadville, and mm, your yeah. crew kind of. I almost feel like. There's not many aid stations that I actually go to. Oh yeah, like, I go to my water. crew, oh, you know. Yeah, and and the crew has whatever I wanted at the aid station. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. Yeah. And so it's like in a lot of these races, like Outlaw, and, and a lot of local races where you're not you don't have a crew and you're just yeah. relying on aid stations. I think what they have there is probably a little more important. Yeah, maybe um, so. You're right, because I don't ever remember ever going to an aid station at Leadville one time. <laughs> I can't I just ran to my to my crew, and uh-huh. I sat, and they had everything ready for me there. They might have pulled some things off the aid station, hot water or coffee. Uh, yeah. But I think Leadville probably realized over the years of doing it, like we're wasting a lot of food and stuff because mm-hmm. nobody – they always tell you, bring a crew, bring your, bring your pacer, bring whatever. Yeah. And so you're bringing your food and all your stuff that you're wanting anyway – Everybody's all set up like a big giant half a mile long encampment at Twin Lakes anyway. Oh, really? Like there's like a pop-up canopies for like half a mile oh, wow. of just cruise, crew, 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 and it goes all forever and ever and ever. And so you just go there and hang out and sit in your chair because there's, you, you're, yeah, you run through the timing mat and then you got a little bit like some goo roctane. I was helping you with your bottles at Twin Lakes and you might have grabbed a goo packet, but... Yeah, that was about it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and I don't want to use their terrible flavors they have and the goos and it just I just have my syrup. You you and hit honey, Jared, like, you hit like, Jared's heartstring right I like, there. I like syrup and honey usually out there is what I'll eat. Yeah. So like a really a lot of like simple sugars then. Yeah. Like a lot, a lot of sugar then. Especially when I get up to altitude, I yeah. realize I can't chew anything. Mm. <laughs> it's crazy. 
It is. And in you don't necessarily like feel sick. You just like I don't have an appetite. Like yeah. I'm just not hungry. Yeah. And, but exactly. you know you need to eat, right? And it's, it's this weird battle you have to play with yourself because you want to eat. Yeah. But you're like nothing sounds appetizing. I haven't. I had the, the fifty Thunderbird fifty k last year was the first time I've ever really had any stomach issues. And thank God they had all those bathrooms out there. They had actual bathrooms out there. That's what's good about that, about yeah. that race. There's not porta potties. There's actual bathrooms. <laughs> it's true, and they're nice bricked bathrooms yeah. too. Yeah, so right? I was an hour faster this year than last year, strictly not spending that time in the bathrooms. <laughs> Did you do the whole Outlaw series this year? No. Okay. I've just kind of next year I'm doing the hundred mile at Lake McMurtry. I do that one every year. I think that's a fun race. And it's not too far from home, and it's just the, like that race. They do a hundred mile or like hundred k or hundred k. I'm okay. doing hundred k. I've always done the fifty k out there. We we ran the fifty last year there. Yeah, that's a tougher course than you it you would think it would be. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't don't know why I like it. I just do. It seems pretty. That. It seems pretty runnable, and it is. I just hate that damn run. Yeah, that on the dam there on the grass, and it's like just that little single track. Like I, I feel like that's good practice for the. What's the spot up there at Leadville where you you're running through the field? Oh the yeah, lakes. no no no, hour bound. Hour bound, yeah. Because I always oh, hear these stories yeah. about you're yeah, running through I, all the holes. Actually, and that's stuff. Uh, yeah, I, that is kind of similar to that. Although that only lasts about hour bound. I mean, it's less than a mile. Out, but hour bound's a long way, or hour bound's less. No, than that a long. the part where you're running through the okay. field is probably a mile. I would say. Yeah. If that. If that. Yeah. If maybe that. not even. Maybe not even a mile. And then you catch the payment for the one only few mile that you're going to run it on and you catch it on the way back right after okay. that but it's real potholy yeah. like you i really would not recommend running through that honestly yeah. i would just walk it because like you don't want to ruin your race snapping an angle in a gopher hole you know okay. and you ain't going to gain but four minutes if and, you did run through and it. i never run after a a station very well anyway right. just put all that in my belly yeah it's a good time to just relax <laughs> yeah. for a minute right exactly absolutely so, and then do you have a pacer for leadville Maybe. Yeah. I'm kind of, I've never, the Sarah girl paced me on my 50 mile, on my 100 miler. And I see the benefit of it, but then I feel like I'm, you know, go all the way to Colorado. I feel like it's kind of a lot to ask somebody. But since we do have a gym up there and I have a couple of buddies, you know, the owner, they're going to, one of the owners, one of our co owners is going to come down and pace me. He's promised me at least. Heck yeah. So I have, I think I have at least two pacers. And they're basically Colorado Mountain Goats, yeah, they, right? Yeah, they live in Colorado, so they should have no problem with it. Even though they don't do long races, they don't run. But by that time, I'm walking anyway, I'm I'm sure. Yeah, more of a, a walk, run, walk, walk, walk some yeah. more and run a little bit more, yeah, right? whatever. I can kind of move. Muster up at that point. Yeah. I remember at the Pumpkin Holler, I walked the last 60 miles. I don't think I jogged one step. It was just trying to finish type yeah. of thing <laughs> I remember at mile 80 I'd, I'd sat down and quit and then my pacer Sarah she goes let's just walk for five minutes you know just get up we'll walk for five minutes and then I walked like 10 steps I turned back around and then she physically turned me back around because <laughs> there was nothing really wrong with me you know I was just miserable and then just like she said five minutes later I'd forgotten I'd ever wanted to quit and we just walked it on out <laughs> that's, that's crazy because that's a hard that's a hard place to be right? it's a hard place miles. to come out I mean, of it was, right? 80, it was 80 miles and and I wasn't even thinking that you know she had spent all night she was waiting you know she went down there and spent the night in her car waiting for me to get there and then 10 miles in I was gonna quit <laughs> but it's when she went, we made it what a great lesson though for for people you know it's like if, if you're sitting there thinking about 20 miles to go then you, then you stay sitting there, yeah. And she says, "Just walk five minutes." Mm-hmm. And the next thing you know, that five minutes turns into twenty miles and a finish. Yeah, um, that twenty miles seems impossible when you get to that point. Man, I there's there's so many times you know when you're doing these long races where you'll clip off a mile. Let's say you're at mile twenty, and even in a fifty mile race, if at mile twenty you go. Man, I have thirty miles left. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not even halfway. If if you start entertaining those types of thoughts, it gets pretty dark pretty quick. It does. I think, I think it's different than Leadville because there was not really a time. There's like a thirty six hour cutoff at that, so it wasn't really. I wasn't going to not cause it the time caps, but yeah. then at Leadville, all I'm thinking about is how am I going to 
hit every time cap. Mm-hmm. So that's really my only goal. I mean, my coach has been talking about. I just don't want to be stressed out on the time cap. But I, I know it will because I know I'm not that fast. That that <laughs> that is a hard part of that race. That's yeah. what makes Leadville more difficult and unique than any other races because. Generally, the cutoffs will be all spread out throughout the race of a 30-miler. But Leadville, it's all like on that front 60. That front 60 is real tight on the cutoffs, and the back 40 is pretty forgiving. Mm. So when you get back to Twin Lakes, essentially, back from over Hope, and uh, and it, it's always on your head for the whole day because it's like, I'm only 45 minutes under cutoff. I'm only one hour yeah. under cutoff. But you can't go any faster. Yeah, That's where a lot of people, I think that's where some of that DNF, you tell me what you think, Jerry, but some of the DNF rate comes from of people just blow their wad, getting to hope way mm-hmm. too early, and then they just don't have any more steam left to get over the pass. Well, the guy Brent said he couldn't believe how many people didn't make the first aid station. I know. The first cutoff. He says, you you know, you trained all this time and you can't make the... And you get in, well, the thing is, too, is you could go out too slow. Yeah. Like, now you're getting this, like, well, which one is it then, right? Yeah. Because we got stuck the first it's year. It's a fine line. I it think. is. I mean, it really is a, a fine line that you have to be really, really disciplined and and make sure that you're kind of racing consistent with your training. Um, because I, I think I think it's the danger is much more so going out too fast. There, there's a lot of excitement. I mean, it's a, it's a cool and scene. it's downhill, right? It's downhill yeah. for the first few miles. And you can hammer a few miles, and uh, and you feel good, right? I mean, you've you're really trained, you've tapered, mm-hmm. so you feel great those first couple miles. Um, I think the danger is much more so going out too fast. But um, I mean, I know for me, obviously, two years in a row, I've been racing cutoffs, and it like it it is always in your head. It's always you're you're checking. You're like, okay, I'm now I'm five minutes behind where I wanted to be, mm-hmm. and. You know, and it's, you're talking five minutes in a 30-hour race, <laughs> so it doesn't seem like it can come down to minutes. But um, there's just so much anxiety around those cutoffs. Um, if you're if you're somebody like me who, like, I'm going to be near cutoffs. Mm-hmm. I'm just not fast enough that cutoffs are not going to be a problem for me. Um, and so, yeah, it's uh, it's hard, but it's a it's a fine line. You go you go too hard up there at that altitude, you won't recover. And then you're, you know, you're definitely missing cutoffs if, if the, you're not recovering. I did the Heartland 50 miler this this year in Kansas, but I thought it'd be. I wanted to try to do a 50 miler. I could actually run. It was nice and flat. Then I get there. It's in the Flint, the Flint Hills. So it was just like this. Oh, those rolling hills. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I wanted to be, you know, a decent. I am at an average in like over 15 minute miles for the 50, and I'm just in my head. It's like if I can't do less than 15 minute miles. In Kansas, how am I going to do it at Leadville? <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, what but is, it was the middle of the summer. It was hot and it was yeah. rolling, but it was like then I'm stuck in that. I'm not going to make the time caps. The time I can't tunnels. remember what the what's the overall average like eighteen minute, fifty miles. It's eighteen minute for fifty miles. Yeah, yeah. I've looked at that. It's like times. the general. general <laughs> There's a one. there. There are a whole lot of miles that you will be comfortably under that. Yeah, yeah. That I mean, that's the thing is. There are a lot of miles that are easy, easy 13, 14 minute miles, not running hard or fast at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can you can bank a lot of those and get you know a pretty good cushion against the cutoffs. And there are a lot of miles where I don't care how hard you're going, you're not doing an 18 minute mile. No, no if you are, you're redlining. <laughs> yeah, you're 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 going to be on the podium. <laughs> yeah, I looked at the race I did in the San Juans. You know, I looked at my miles, and you know, I ended up averaging for 100k over 20 minute miles. But there were some spots that was we were actually going hand over feet. You know, and I'm looking at my stats. I did like a 45 minute mile. You know, stuff like that. Yeah. It's just like doing one of those mountains just straight up for however long. Mm-hmm. I remember I got to the top and I was looking at it the other day and I remember I got to the top and I took off running like a mile 50 and I thought I was going so fast and I went back and looked and it was like a 14 minute mile. <laughs> you were going fast yeah. comparatively. Yeah, it was right? like at 12, almost 13,000 feet. So I'm sure it felt really fast at yeah. four o'clock in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> is, your, is your wife going to crew you? And she's going to go up. I mean, down, uh, yeah, they're going to kind of a little bit. I mean, I'm not sure exactly. We have a couple, a lot of friends up there, so they're going to come and help. And then 
Carrie Haas, that you work with her husband, or you know her husband maybe, she's going to come up. There's cool. a few people that kind of, she says, I'm coming up no matter what. So if you don't have to ask me, I'm, I'm going to be, be be there. Even if you don't want me to be there, I'm going to be there. That's cool. Type of person. That's cool. <laughs> the only other worst part about your crew is the cell phone reception is god awful. Mm-hmm. And you lose your runner. Like when they go over Hope, you're, you don't see them for eight hours. And you have not a freaking clue where they're at. Like, you can tell if they've made it to the turnaround point, but then you're waiting again because there's just no reception up there. And we tried to use the Garmin live track this year. Didn't work. The only thing I could recommend is, like, if you could get an external GPS device that would, like... I have one of those because when I do all those crazy hikes, that was one of the deals. I had to get one. And you can and you can track pretty well with that. Yeah. And that, we, at the one in Silverton, we had to have a tracker. Everybody had a tracker. That was one of the deals. You either had one your own or you had to rent one from them. Oh, really? Because it was so, you know, 15 miles between aid stations, stuff like that. Wow. So yeah. then, so I have one of those, so at least hopefully it'll work. And That'll be a giant advantage. Because that was like, it's just you're you're sitting there waiting for your runner and anxiety and anxiety It's so spills. long, isn't it? I mean, because oh, you see them, they're doing awesome. And then you see them 24 hours later or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I left Jared at right after May Queen, and I drove straight to Twin Lakes. And we got there like 8.30 in the morning. And I didn't think we left till like 10.30 at night, maybe midnight. No, I was I was still on the trail looking for Jeff through midnight. Yeah. Yeah. Now that story he told. Yeah. And With the, was, he the la- was he the one that was the last one? And oh. somebody gave him a ride back or something? No, that was Jared. That was you? That was me. That was scary. Yeah. That was such a scary story. Yeah. I never really thought, like, because they don't tell you in Leadville they're sweepers. There's yeah. people coming. Like, you assume that there are, but there's real, nobody ever really talks about it. And then to think that you, you never really felt like you're in danger. But, like, when I hear Jared's story about it, it gave me chills because, like, like, you're genuinely yeah. in danger. Mm-hmm. And you're like, dude. And then you're like, I'm only here because I got myself here, right? <laughs> I don't know how many times I've been up in the mountain. Like, what am I doing with my life? Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got stuck in Aspen at the, the Maroon Bells, and it was just a huge thunderstorm. I'm 12,000 feet. And I'm just sitting there holding my tent. I put my tent up. I'm just holding it to keep from blowing over. I'm like, what is going on? I could be at home right now in the gym. I got to make better choices. Yes, exactly. It stopped raining. I packed everything up, went down underneath a tree or a group of trees, ran down. It was like, what am I doing with my life? I know. Why, <laughs> why am I? I put myself here. Yeah, right? exactly. It wasn't yeah. some sort of survival story where I got in a car accident by accident or something. It was mm-hmm. like I literally ran here on purpose. <laughs> and now exactly. I'm stuck in a rainstorm. Yes. Yeah, that was a scary story. Man. Yeah, for sure. That type of stuff. So to kind of just just to put a cap on it but before we finish, what is your favorite piece of gear that you have that you that you're using or you 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 anticipate to use or oh. you've used over the years that you just can't live without? Uh, my toe socks. Are they in Gingies? Mm-hmm. In Gingies? Yeah, I think that's I've never you know I've done I don't know how many miles I'm at fifteen I'll be at 1,500 miles in a couple of weeks for the year, not one blister. So I think that's Vaseline and. And the and the toe socks. Yeah. Any you any other any other questions? I don't, man. It's been awesome having you on. I'm I'm excited to see you training toward Leadville. Uh, we'll be there too. So oh, awesome. Hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully we'll come home with a couple buckles. Yeah. And uh, and a lot of good good stories and good memories. Oh yeah. yeah. You you can't not remember Leadville yeah. regardless of what it was you can't not remember it it's yeah. just a cool place when we went up my wife did the, I did the 50 mile I think she did the 15k I think they have one of those the same day at that race and she did that and I didn't know if she would like it I didn't know if she would want to come back and then we already booked our room you know for, you know since we got in so early we were able to get our Airbnb we knew where we wanted to be so that's kind of fun so she really enjoyed the actual little mountain town and this scene of it even though she doesn't ever want to do those long races or nothing but my wife's the same way she just she just enjoys being up there yeah but she did tell she's like tell jared because leadville's on her birthday she's <laughs> like if i've just been one more birthday in the mountains of colorado chasing jared i don't know if i can do it <laughs> i have one i have one thing it's kind of sad not you know it's like the race is my brother passed away a few years ago and the race is on his birthday so if i finish It'll be on his birthday. What a, what an extra yeah, piece so of motivation. Yeah, so that's kind of like, yeah, it's like every time I get out there, like I was running, you know, the night, and it's like, you know, 
it doesn't matter if it starts to suck. Yeah. We're going to have to finish. The only thing that's going to stop me, I guess, is the getting hurt or the tying caps. Which yeah. is, those, those things could happen. <laughs> which is which is generally what yeah. everybody that goes those rates, because you're, you're mentally strong enough to be there. It's They're going to have to pull you off the course yeah, yeah. at that point, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, my grandmother passed a few months ago, and, and she was... I had her on that race with me that yeah. last one I did. And, yeah, it, it does help, you know, because you're just like, uh, at least I still could put one foot in front of the other. Yeah, maybe. exactly. So that's going to be exciting and sad and awesome. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be cool, a mm-hmm. cool memory for you yeah, to for celebrate sure. him, right? Mm-hmm. So I want to thank you for coming on the podcast, Jared. Yeah. Thanks so much, man. Thanks for letting us come down to the gym. I thought it'd be kind of a cool thing to overlook your gym while we're over here recording. But yeah, for sure. You can find me at Savage Navy Chief on Instagram, Iron Man Lawyer. Uh, also on Instagram, and then where do they find you at, Jared? Just Jared Muse. Jared Muse on Instagram. Yep. Is that about the only place you're at? Instagram and Facebook, and you got Coda CrossFit on Facebook too. I'm sure. Instagram, right? yeah. We have each one of our gyms has its own, all that jazz. So yeah, look him up, follow him, give him some motivation, and uh, see how his training's coming around. But again, thanks you for tuning in. We'll see you next time.